So things believing, right? So ideally, it would be better if you can actually be there and then actually see how things are happening and experience the life of local people. That will give you a lot more context. This is Aaron May. I'm John Henry Forster, and this is awkward silence. Silences. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Awkward Silences. We're here today with Elsa Ho, and she's a UX researcher at Uber. She formerly worked at Microsoft and had a stint as a design consultant. She's worked all over the world in Taiwan, Tokyo, Shanghai, Singapore. And today we're going to talk about cross-cultural user research. So doing user research in international and emerging countries and cultures and how specifically you know, to prepare for that. So thanks so much, Elsa, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. JH is here. I am. I feel like I learned from all of our guests, but this is a topic I really don't know much about. So I'm excited for this one. Great. So Elsa, tell us a little bit just to get started about what you, what do you do at Uber and how do you, how does that take you to different countries and cultures? Yeah. So, um, well, I travel a lot for all of my jobs in the past, including Uber. So it's not only um, at Uber, but right now I work in Uber's Seattle office, working on airports and events. So if you think about airports and events, those are the scenarios when where a lot of people are trying to call an Uber at the same time. So um, I work on, for example, how do you help riders find a specific driver, and how do you reduce wait time? How do you find help riders find the particular pickup points and so on. And because airports and events are international, so uh, sometimes we travel to different markets just to know more about how it is like in different airports because every airports are different. So this is one where I feel like it's easy to fall into the like mental blind spot of, you know, all we're all people, we're all pretty similar. Um, so maybe just like to put a point on it in terms of the importance of doing this cross-cultural research you know, early on, like what have been some of the biggest or like most surprising differences you found in, um, in the various, you know, work you've done in this area? Um, I think one of the most surprising that I found was, um, this might not be the case anymore, but when I was researching in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, I realized that they didn't have an official address and they didn't have they didn't have a proper postal system. So um, the project I was working on back then was more about like buying stuff and delivering. So in that case, like online shopping isn't really an option for them because it's hard for them to receive products from online. Oh, that's super interesting. I would not have, that's, that's definitely a blind spot I would have had if I was working on that project. Yeah, because usually like one thing about international research is like we tend to assume things work the same as like how we are used to in our own country or the countries that we are familiar with. And then we sometimes overlook that things might be very different. Even, um, you know, like, for example, in Taiwan, Starbucks is a really high-end coffee brand. Like, you will only go to Starbucks if you are rich or you want something fancy. But in in Seattle, this, I think Starbucks is just so common. It's everywhere that people don't even want to drink it sometimes. <laughs> Totally. Is this one where to do this type of research well, like 
you have to be there, like you have to travel, you have to be in person and, and really meeting and absorbing these things firsthand? Or can you do any of this stuff, you know, over phone calls or video chats? I mean, so seeing is believing, right? So ideally, it would be better if you can actually be there and then actually see how things are happening and experience the life of local people. That will give you a lot more context. Um, of course, you can do it remotely, but just I don't think you'll get as much information as, uh, yeah. So when we're talking about you know going internationally or you know going far away uh, potentially to do some of this research, you're going to need more preparation to to be there than just doing a you know on the fly remote session over Zoom or something. What are some of your tricks of the trade for? Uh, really preparing to make those sessions as effective as possible. Yeah. So um, usually in an ideal, you know, ethnographic research setup, you will spend a lot of time with local people with your user to actually know more about their lives. But in uh, like a research for the company, usually you will not have that leisure to spend so much time because, you know, it costs a lot. So I was trying to figure out what is the best way I can know this place in like maybe like it's a few days. So one thing that I do before research is I would um, just do as much secondary research as possible to know more about this place. At Uber, because we have office in many different cities, so sometimes before I go to a place or a market that I'm not familiar with, I will reach out to my colleagues in the local office and ask them if they have any advice or insights to the local market. So for example, last year, um, we went to Amsterdam for research and we, uh, we, had a, we have a research counterpart in the Amsterdam office. So um, that research was about airport transportation. So before we went, I actually asked her to provide us the context of usually how do people get from Amsterdam airport to the city. So she helped us. Um, so she presented a deck that shows, you know, like those are the options and how much it costs, how much time needed so that we have those contacts before we actually go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It seems like having a colleague in the local, you know, geography or, or market is probably such a huge advantage. Um, since we're talking about cultural differences, I guess I'm going to ask the kind of like dumb question, but a big cultural difference, right, is language. So how is that something you deal with when you're out trying to talk to users? Do you hire translators or like, how do you bridge that gap? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So if, if the users, um, I think there are multiple options. So for example, if I'm going to, if I have a research in Japan and I know I can find Japanese who speaks English, but then I have to think about whether those people would be represented representative enough for my target audience, right? Because maybe not every Japanese will speak English. Maybe people who speak English in Japan are kind of um, a different segment. So in that case, I'll probably need to hire a translator. So you can you can talk to the translator beforehand and decide what kind of what kind of approach you prefer, whether you want simultaneous translation or you want more of user say one thing and the translator translate, and then you say something and the translator translate back. 
And there's just like a lot of details there. Sometimes I notice that some translators like to summarize what users said instead of translating like word by word. And my preference is I want to know what exactly the users said. Mm-hmm. So I would tell the translator that doesn't matter if what they say doesn't make sense. Just tell me what they said. Right. Right. Because so much of the user researcher's job is to decode things that right might not seem important on the surface or the, um, the little sort of micro insights. And if you're losing or that you're sort of going through one level of interpretation already by the time you get the translation, if they're summarizing. Right. And also where the translators sit when, if you, if it is like a, in, in the meeting room kind of setting where the translator sit is also pretty important because if the translator sits right next to a user and you are a little bit far from them, there's a high chance that the trans, the user will just look at the translator and then just talk to him or her directly. So it will be hard for you to be engaged in the conversation. An extension of that seems like how do you help get these users comfortable in the situation, right? Like, do you have to know a lot of the local customs that it's, you know, polite to do this or it's rude to do that? Or how do you handle actually like kind of building some of that rapport, which seems to be such a, you know, important part of research, but it's probably really difficult in this setting. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that I would also ask either people that I know who work in the local culture, I will even ask the translator, you know, like, is there any topics that I better not to touch on or anything that I should be aware of culturally? Um, for example, I know in Japan, when I was there, whenever we talk to users, we will try to make our seat a bit lower than them so that they don't feel like we are over, like they don't feel overwhelmed. And also we'll try to dress as casually uh, sorry, we'll, we'll try to dress more casually so that they don't feel, you know, this is super, super formal. And I, I believe in every culture, there will be like different nuance like this. You know, one thing that I think about when I you're preparing for, you know, an international research project, we hear from a lot of teams, um, and I'm not sure if this is the case for you as much at Uber, where, you know, budget's a a concern when it comes to research in any company, right? You're trying to, to make good use of resources. Do you have any tips for, um, do you do anything to try to make the most out of each trip when it comes to, you know, planning your research efforts? Yeah. So, um, earlier I was talking about the kind of preparation I would do before the trip, but, um, when I'm actually there, there are some things that I really, I usually like to do. One thing I like to do when I'm in that city is to visit supermarkets or convenience stores. It's interesting to see what kind of products they have and, you know, just get a sense of the price of the products that you are used to. For example, you can compare, oh, water, for example, in some countries, milk is actually cheaper than water, right? Or alcohol can be cheaper. So it gives you a sense of, you know, how much people spend on things. And... Another thing I like to do is to take public transportation. So the, in the, the process of taking public transit gives you a lot of information. So you can look at the advertisements at the station, or you can look at what people are wearing, what are they doing when they are on the train. And sometimes I even pick over to look at what they're doing on their phone or what kind of phone they're using. Um, one example that I, like, I really like was, so... I used to 
live in Japan, and then I travel to Paris sometimes, and I noticed there is a big difference. So when you enter uh, the 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 train station platform. So in Japan, the door is always open by default. It will close if you can tap on your card. But in, in Paris, it's always closed. And it's really tall. So preventing people to, from climbing over it. And I think that shows the level of trust the society has. So in Japan, basically, it's a very high trust society. So you just have to, you know, I think in general, people believe that you pay. So um, they design the system in a way that it's always open. People can just go in really fast and it will only close if you didn't pay. Hmm. But in Paris, it's the other way around. That's really interesting. Imagine I'm a user researcher and I'm traveling for the first time and I'm off to do this type of stuff. What are some of the the main piece of advice you'd recommend? Like things to keep in mind or, you know, mistakes to avoid? Well, sometimes during business trip, like people are just really busy and tired. So like they tend to want to just stay in the hotel and order room service and not to go out anywhere. And that I think is a could be a missed mm. opportunity for you to actually learn more about the market. So maybe you can think about, you know, make sure that you make plans through do something that we talk about, like taking a public transportation or even just walking around the street and see what people are doing, try to understand like what kind of things they're talking about and just, um, or eat at a local restaurant to, you know, immerse yourself as much as you can. Nice. Yeah, that's good advice. What, what do you typically do for research labs or like office space? Where are you conducting these things? Yeah, so uh, in the past, I usually just rent a place or use my client's office. And now it depends on, so at Uber, it depends on whether we can conduct the research in the office or not. If not, then in the local office or not. If not, then we'll just rent a space uh, near nearby the office. All right, a quick awkward interruption here. It's fun to talk about user research, but you know what's really fun is doing user research, and we want to help you with that. We want to help you so much that we have created a special place. It's called userinterviews.com slash awkward for you to get your first three participants free. We all know we should be talking to users more, so we went ahead and removed as many barriers as possible. It's going to be easy. It's going to be quick. You're going to love it, so get over there and check it out. And then when you're done with that, go on over to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review please are you usually traveling alone or do you go with colleagues or there's a whole team like what sort of support system do you have uh on these types of projects yeah um it depends like each company is different but um sometimes in the in some of my past jobs I would travel along or travel with my clients but um one good thing at uber is everyone super involved in research. So um, I usually travel with, you know, engineers, designers, PMs, data scientists, uh, operations, and they are all super helpful throughout the process. So sometimes um, if I if we have to do a lot of research, they will help me take notes, take photos. And if I don't have time to, um, 
you know, run too many sessions in a day. Some of my colleagues, like this sound designers, they have experience in research and they would take the lead and run another session in parallel with me so that we can, we can, you know, do more in a day. And I think that is good too, because, um, because you always want your colleague or product team to actually see user feedback in their first hand, right? Instead of, you know, just bringing the data back to the office and tell people, yeah, this is what users want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I asked you in the beginning about, you know, what are some of the differences that surprised you, you know, from doing these various studies and projects? On kind of the opposite side, in what way are people like kind of just the same or, you know, are you ever surprised like, huh, I can't just ever, I can't believe everyone does things this way or everyone seems to have this preference is, have there been any like, you know, universal observations about humans that you've come across? Yeah. Um, I think in general, human needs are the same, like not, not the, well, the hu general human needs are very similar, right? Like, for example, if you think about Maslow's needs hierarchy, like feeling secure, um, love and belonging, and like self personal achievement and so on, like those are pretty much universal. But just um, on the surface, it might look a little bit different or like the level that they need might be different. For example, um, in Japan, if you if you look at the websites in Japan, like you'll see, there's a lot of text. As usually, like if from American standpoint, it might be a little bit too crowded, but for J Japanese people, that is a representative of trust because they want everything to be very detailedly explained. So the the more detail it is, the higher trust they feel. But like trust is something that people in every culture or country need, but just like the level that they need would be different. Interesting. So the needs are the same, but the level and the sort of order of importance is different. It could be different. Yeah. yeah. How do you, we didn't talk a lot about, what do you do with these insights? Have you, I know you're working, you know, in the sort of exploratory generative phase a lot and really understanding these markets and bringing those insights back. Have you um, gotten to see them used in cool ways throughout your career? Mm -hmm. I think in this kind of research, um, of course, like there will always be be business goals. For example, that printer research I was working on, um, one of the goals was to understand if there are actually different needs in those markets when it comes to buying a printer, and then how can we better meet those needs, right? So for example, um, we found that in in Thailand and like countries, Southeast Asia, like Thailand, Philippines, when people buy printers, they tend to they very heavily rely on words of mouth and then also they like to look at videos because uh video gives them an idea of how big the printer is where to open it 
uh, you know, like what it looks like. And because in those markets, some families they would share a printer, so they want some. They want to make sure that it is something that is very portable. So this kind of findings would give us an idea of okay, in those markets, we should probably you know when we do marketing or so on, we should um, take those into account. Um, in airports, then in the um. How should I put this? So your question is how how is this um, used, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but okay. So so in general, um, I think the goal is to identify, you know, this. Um, well, basically, the goal is to help the business understand what should we do. Mm-hmm. In general, right. Uh, I think it's important to find out if there's any things that can apply to all different markets because we can only customize our product to a certain extent. We can cater to each market, so um, we need to find out what are some things that are universal, like kind of like the needs that you talk about. Um, for example, airport riders, right? Um, no matter where you are, it's very important for riders to reduce their wait time at the airport. So that is a very common need. Mm-hmm. But if there is like certain aspects that are very important to that market, for example, in Mexico, safety is a very important concern, then we also have to address that. Mm-hmm. Great. And you address that through product, through marketing? What? Who do you work with? Um, I work with like all kinds of stakeholders on so brand marketing products, yeah. uh, operations. I think it depends on the idea that we come up with. Mm-hmm. So once we have all these findings, then usually there will be a brainstorming section with the team and we will come together and then based on the user needs and findings and think about, okay, those are the five projects that we're going to do to solve the issue. And then we think about, okay, is it more like a marketing project or more like a product project? Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences, brought to you by User Interviews. Theme music by Fragile Gang. Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd.